Oh shit. Here we go again. There are a new generation of Democrats, Bill Clinton and Al Gore, and they don't think the way the old Democratic Party did. They've called for an end to welfare as we know it, so welfare can be a second chance, not a way of life. They've sent a strong signal to criminals by supporting the death penalty. And they've rejected the old tax-and-spend politics. Clinton's balanced 12 budgets, and they've proposed a new plan investing in people, detailing $140 billion in spending cuts they'd make right now. Clinton-Gore. For people. For a change. It shall be a government rooted in strong values. The values of justice and progress and community, the values that have guided me all my political life, but a government ready with the courage to embrace the new ideas necessary to make those values live again for today's world. A government of practical measures in pursuit of noble causes. Hey guys, and uh, welcome to, I guess, episode one, season two, from A Conversation Before the World Ends. Uh, I'm your host, Kareem. And I'm Eamon. I hope you guys had an amazing holidays if you're celebrating Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas. Whatever holiday was around that period, hope you enjoyed it. Happy New Year or belated New Year to everyone who celebrated it. How was your house 2023? Same old, same old. Nothing changes. Nothing ever changes. So, Aim, um, is there anything you want to say? Because since you d- weren't there for the last episode, the f- season finale. Yeah, I don't do season finales. I only do premieres and series. <laughs> okay, yeah. For the ratings. Yeah, of course. You can do the rundown. For sure. <laughs> but is there anything you want to comment about the Bronze Age episode? Yeah, it's been a huge hit. I think every topic was important to just as important. But it's interesting to see what clicked and what didn't click. Uh, I think maybe moving forward, we'll be more conscious on what the people want to hear as well a bit more. Yeah. But I think we should still be jumping through multiple time timelines just so we can assess the world at a grand scheme of things. I'll try to be more involved in some of my topics too and maybe take a few leads uh, this season. The, yeah, the crowd, they're asking, where is Amy? Yeah. Less is more, you know? So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, apart from that, I mean... Let's, let's boogie with it. I'll go get the door. One second, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Tony is going uh, UFO hunting. For this episode, AIM, I decided since, or I mentioned, since it's January 2023, so this marks the 30-year anniversary of when Bill Clinton became president. And I know... Your favorite president. Your favorite president. I know you don't, you're not short on opinions on Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary. You know, I liked Bill Clinton when I was younger. I think everyone did, but I think that was more because mom and dad liked Bill. No, I mean, America was at a, I think just <laughs> 90s. Okay, because so America felt somewhat apolitical. Yeah. Right? They felt like they weren't meddling in anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people had that. America but, weren't the number one villains at the time. 
Bill Clinton made them not the number one visit. Maybe because he was he had a good face for it. Perhaps, perhaps. But I do remember like it wasn't as unanimous. I mean, everyone hated Bush and nine eleven. Everyone hated America during the Vietnam Soviet stuff. But don't but don't forget under Clinton they bombed Somalia. For sure, which what it wasn't a consistent war across the world. Mm-hmm. It was like bombing because of shitty reasons as well. Yeah, so... Yeah, sorry, we're getting off on that. One aspect, of, I'm not going to focus on the whole Clinton presidency, but I want to focus on something called the third way. And it's this famous, I guess, ideology that Clinton adopted, Tony Blair would adopt it, and it kind of pretty much defined the 90s, and to an extent, the 2000s, up until maybe, I guess, the presidency of Donald Trump. It's the centrist view that neither right nor left and you know my views on centrists was bush centrist or more uh bush didn't really appeal to the far right he tried to have somewhat of a moderate center right so was it introduced by bill clinton or was it just established like popularized by popularized by bill clinton but because uh, bush seems to have been bush senior of course uh he didn't seem too right-wing as well with his stuff no he's no reagan but um exactly he just toned he toned down a lot just to get into it, and we'll discuss sure, the, sure. The, the true like history of this and how Bill Clinton popularized or defined the 90s by it. And what were the effects of this new centrist ideology on what we see today in politics? Tony Judd, uh, a historian, once said in the New York Times in 1998 that each age has its cliches. Ours is the third way. The 1990s were at least in popular memory considered a non-political decade. The Soviet Union dissolved, effectively bringing the end of the Cold War. Fukuyama wrote that not just the passing of a particular period of post-war history, but the end of history as such. That is the end point of mankind's ideological evolution, the universalization of Western liberal democracy as the final form of human government. So the 90s were kind of seen as the end of history. Once the Soviet Union collapsed, this was the death of ideology. This was the end of history. Um... I guess he was a bit wrong. But was this in line because of the millennium? Uh, no, because like once the Soviet Union dissolved, uh, Fukuyama thought that khas, there was no ideological war. It's khas, Western democracy won. Western liberal okay, democracy. Okay, I got you, I got you. This was also the birth of what people would call the New World Order, as Bush Sr. would call it. Uh, yeah, Hulk Hogan called it. You can call this the New World Order of Wrestling, brother! Yeah, as Hulk Hogan calls it. Claimed it. As Hulk Hogan popularly coined the term, the New no, World no, Order no. in the 90s after the collapse of the, the Soviet, Soviet Union. Union. Yeah. Get, your history, get your history correct, man. So Hulk Hogan, George Bush Sr., Kevin Nash and Scott Hall <laughs> were the birth of the New World Order. As Tony Blair, Tony Blair would announce later, not old left, not new right, but a new center and center-left governing philosophy for the future. The 1990s would see Tony Blair, Bill Clinton, along with other European leaders, embrace this centrist mentality, right? It was called the third way. What was the French president's name at the time? Jacques Chirac. Chirac, yeah, Jacques Chirac, yeah. Uh, Anthony Giddens would publish in 1998 a book, an, a thesis called The Third Way, a 150-page manifesto in which he called for the, a renewal of social democracy. Not right or left, but forward. It would usher in a new economy, a new labor, a new Democrats, new metal, and a new middle. Perfect. 
but that was that was this new vision, right? This is what defined the 90s. The, the right and left were both very skeptical on this new vision, this new third way. They argued that it was a very vague and ambish, uh, ambiguous statement. Sorry. The Economist stated in 1998, trying to pinpoint an exact meaning is like wrestling an inflatable man. If you grip one limb, the hot air rushes from the another. He, that's how they described this new centrist ideology. Jeff Fall from the Economic Policy Institute likewise noted that while Clinton and Blair are two of the most articulate politicians of the age, their definitions of the third wave leaves the observer without a clue of what it means. So the question is, what is the third way, right? How is this new centrist ideology of the 90s changed politics 30 years on? And like, where did this idea come from, right? So part one, I guess, roots. So after the fallout of the 2016 election, uh, when uh, Donald Trump beat uh, Hillary Clinton, there was a pretty surreal moment for historians, right? And pundits. Because besides the fact that like, Donald Trump beat an established politician. Yeah, we thought it was a joke. Yeah, we thought like there was no Who way she was going to... remembers the conspiracy theory that Donald Trump is running against Hillary Clinton to make sure that she wins? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I believe that. I'm like, it's been rigged all along. Hillary Clinton's guaranteed victory because... And that's why they're putting Donald Trump to make her unlosable. Yeah, that the, there's no way she would lose to someone like Trump. But yeah, yeah. it was a surreal moment in time. I don't know if he'd ever recover from that. But if you notice... It was after that election, the term new liberal started coming back into the zeitgeist. And we started talking about Democrats as being new liberal shells. And the common misconception, or I won't say misconception, and the common uh, argument against him is that the Democrats were actually more centered and to the right, right? That's what we say. Uh, that's, is that the new liberal movement? Was that what? That's like, remember when everyone kind of like were upset that Bernie Sanders wasn't going and they're like oh because this is because he was far too left for the democrats yeah, who yeah. are pretty much in bed with the right wing where this, did the stat sorry the status quo crew yeah yeah so where did this come from well or where did this idea of a new democrat come from so historian lily geismer in her book left behind the democrats failed attempt to solve inequality uh which is where i got bulk of my information from the roots of the third wave comes, goes back to the 1970s. Describing how sp- uh, specific liberal ideas about growth were removed from the redistributive politics of the New Deal. It started with what they called the Watergate Babies. What's the Watergate Babies? A generation of democratic leaders who celebrated meritocracy, competition, and innovation. They were the ones who were becoming the superstars of the 70s. The young ones who bo- boomed in the 70s. Your Bidens, your Al Gores, your Clintons. So this faction emerged in the early 1970s as a response to the economic problems and political realities of the 70s, right? It's, and they kind of rose in popularity with white suburbia. So what was the political issues in the 70s? You know how like before Reagan, there was like a political downturn. There was a, there was a mini recession in the 70s. There was the effects of the Vietnam War on okay, the country. Okay, yeah, yeah, got you. Uh, still, there was like racial inequality was still up high. Um, this you're talking about the, like the aftermath of the hippie movement as well. In the 60s, yeah. America was at a crossroads. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they took over the state houses and the capital in '74, and they promised to end the war in Vietnam, and they promised to end corruption and make the government more transparent. And their biggest target was not Richard Nixon or the GOP, but also it was the Democrats as well. They wanted to change the whole idea. 
especially the idea of what Lind LBJ would call the Great Society. Now, the Great Society was an ambitious series of policy initiatives and legislations and programs speared by President Lyndon B. Johnson. Sorry, guys. Eamon is uh, gazing at the stars. He thinks there's an alien. Things old. My skin is burnt, so this hurts putting on it. With the main goal of ending poverty, reducing crime, and abolishing inequality, and improving the environment. So these new Watergate babies began shifting away from those policies and built on the maxim, the solutions of the 30s won't fix the problem of the 80s. The group would receive consternation from liberals who felt that they were reshuffling Reagan's talking points. And they believe that the new economy sectors and tools such as tech and finance, along with the market-based policies and globalization, would ultimately create great opportunity and justice for people. This was kind of heavily influenced from a, a book called The Zero-Sum Society, which argued that the problems of the 70s can be solved by fast-tracking the growth of productivity by investing on what he called as sunrise industry. Of course, in the 80s, it meant computers and high-tech, so... These new Democrats so were also so these new Democrats were also called the Atari Democrats because okay. they were so inf- inf- fixated on technology. Okay, so that crew, that dream crew, Al Gore, uh, yeah, John Biden, all those guys, they're all were considered fresh, fresh. Yeah, the new face. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How how far Biden's come? It makes you realize, man. <laughs> uh, no matter how hip you think you are now. You're going to be in the old Biden. See in 30 years how people are going to look at you. Yeah. Like sometimes I think, like when I see Biden on TV, and you know like when Republicans or right-wing people or like whatever, right-wing talking points, they put like Biden as some like uh, buffoon, you know what I mean, who's lost his mind with dementia. And then you go watch a movie like My Son Hunter, right? Yeah. And they show him like as this like big background conspiracy is he a puppet master, a, you know what I mean? When he's like to his son, he's like, you better not have these computers. It's not going to ruin my elections. So my son, Hunter, guys, for those who don't know, is a really bad uh, Daily Wire film done by right-wing media Yeah. to talk about the Hunter Biden leaks. Laptop leak, yeah. And it's super conspiracy, but nuts and crazy. I mean, it's entertaining <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. What was your favorite scene? What's your favorite line in the whole movie? When Gina Carano just randomly yeah, says Epstein didn't, didn't kill himself. himself. <laughs> so bad, Anyways, back to it the was point. A fun movie, though. Uh, yeah, but um, I don't recommend you guys torrent it. Don't don't waste your money on Daily Wire shit. So, anyways, in 1980, 1988, sorry, uh, Dukakis lost the elections to Bush Senior. Right. So this gave the Democrats three L's in a row. Right. Uh, what's the name? Jimmy Carter losing to Reagan, Reagan's re-election, and now Bush. So you had three Republicans in a row. Well, Jimmy Carter left a very bad taste in everyone's mouth. The, about the Democrats. The anyway. Iraq, uh, the, sorry, the Iran situation really ruined him. In general, yeah, but Jimmy Carter wasn't a a strong leader. Well, regardless of how people feel, because we grew up with a bias, like especially Arab, Arab people like Love Jimmy, Jimmy, Carter. Jimmy Carter. But I'm going purely on unbiased American feedback. People didn't he, like. He's he, kind of forgotten. He's not forgotten. He's known for being like just unlike, like not liked by the Americans at the time. His popularity ratings were down and all that stuff. The fact that they had a senior just went once, right? Yeah, yeah. 
The fact that they went 12 years with Republican was because of Jimmy Carter. And I think that's the idea behind it. So the Democrats also realized this. So they created something called the DLC, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the Democrat Leadership Council. Uh, And they realized that things needed to be changed for them to recapture the White House. So this led to the creation of something else called the Progressive Policy Institute or the PPI, which was a think tank led by Will Marshall to help deepen intellectual infrastructure and policy proposal. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, but just to let you know in context, Mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy Carr's approval rating, which tends to be a good measurement on his his popularity, yeah, 1980 was 34%. Wow. 55 disapproving, 11 unsure. And before that, it was 31. uh, What about during the end of his presidency? 1980 was his his end. end That was the ending. 34 on December, 31 in November, 37, 32. Where does he rank usually? So he was he was mainly by 40s, 30s, 20s. At some point, he went up in the 50s, in the beginning of the year, but then ended back on the 30s. Mm. So that's like, regardless of how we feel about him, uh, he wasn't that popular at the time. Which, sorry, which goes into why... The Democrats needed... Needed a, some, face, yeah. a facelift. So David Osborne... An early fellow at the PPI was especially influential in helping in the, uh, to achieve the mission of the Democratic Party. Osborne's research uh, centered largely on the rise of public-private partnership and what they called as third-sector institutions, such as nonprofits and other community organizations, right? He argued that it offered a more effective means of providing social services and economic development than traditional government bureaucracies. The Democratic Party had to modernize its base, which meant they could no longer afford to be held back by special interest groups such as unions and organized labor. Uh, The declaration was pretty much simple, right? The mission is to expand uh, opportunity, not government. That was going to be the new mission of the Democrats. I was reading just a bit more on Jimmy Carter here, just just to hit home on why people didn't like him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So apparently there was an oil crisis right before his ending. Yeah. Which contributed, so he was just like a victim of bad timing. The so it was saying that the final fifteen months of tenor were marked by several major crises. So it wasn't his whole reign. His last fifteen months had the nineteen seventy nine oil crisis, the Iran hostage situation, and then the failed Operation Eagle Claw. Yeah, yeah. Which was the failed operation by the United to attempt to rescue the like the failed attempt. The to American embassy. Guys. And you know how people take that as like you ruin, you undermine America's reputation mm-hmm. if you mess up in that eagle class so no matter how good you did economically you fucked up yeah you made us look bad so sorry yeah so the so my curiosity of why he wasn't popular you always knew he wasn't but just to know why is important as well yeah so to hammer home what we were saying was the democratic party was saying that um they could no longer afford to care for special interest groups they can't focus on unions they can't focus on labored organizations they had to expand and that it was simple. We need to give people opportunity, not government. Uh, free market regulated in the public interest is the best engine for prosperity. Uh, we'll see how this turns out later, right? But during the late 1980s and early 1990s, the PPI effectively promoted ideas such as enterprise zones, micro enterprises in United States and also the developing world. They also introduced something called welfare to work where welfare was just a means to get you a job, uh, charter schools, and cap and trade. 
uh, these proposals came to directly influence many policies of the Clinton administration, uh, administration and, uh, and it was implemented heavily during his tenure. Tony. But now the question is, is there something prior or was this the start of centrism, right? So the idea is that centrism goes back, according to James Petras, uh, that the initial start of centrist third wave, third wave ideology started in the 19th century in Germany. Uh, an effort to reform anti-revolutionary sentiment which Edward Bernstein, a German social democratic Marxist and a member of the Social Democratic Party of Germany, argued a middle ground between capitalism and what he saw as revolutionary socialism. Bernstein was the first one to say, or Edward Bernstein was the first one to say that there has to be a middle ground between capitalism and revolutionary socialism. He argued that the middle class would be able to grow from that and that capitalism would eventually adjust itself to cater to these new to cater socialism. to this new to new middle class, believing that socialism can only come by advancing capitalism instead of abolishing it. So he thought that eventually capitalism will turn to socialism if capitalism was able to regulate itself into into uh, so the evolution of capitalism is complete free market and then once the market is stable they're starting to do some socialist policies yeah that the market would cater itself for that other other thinkers of the time which i'm in this notion as well advocating for electoral voting system <laughs> <laughs> preservation uh, preservation it's of like, liberal capitalist like, institutions like you're talking when we were in Electoral. 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 During the twenties and thirties. Come on, it's two pivotal things about Clinton. Elect and oral. Yeah. <laughs> electoral. <laughs> nice. Bro. Okay. Anyways, during the nineteen twenties and thirties, social democracy became a dominant movement in the world trying to find their way to reform socialism by embracing liberal socialism and Keynesian economic systems uh, with emphasis on morality and i'm pretty sure you're very well aware of keynesian methods right appealing to communities corporatism and nationalism right so the crux of this is that instead of making it revolutionary it was more evolutionary you know yeah. what i mean so the centrists so capitalism is the you go right and then the more left you go until you reach the center or center left and that's the proper evolution of exactly so one of the major moments of contention of this thinking was the split between socialists during the October Revolution, um, between the Bolsheviks and what we call the Mensheviks. Okay, the Mensheviks were kind of considered uh, that capitalism would eventually evolve into socialism, while the Bolsheviks, well, you know the Bolsheviks, right? Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into much. That's a whole different thing. Uh, this rhetoric resurfaced again after World War II. James Petras would write that German and Swedish social democratic parties led a new third-way paradigm uh, which accepted capitalist property relations with increased social, social expenditure, progressive taxation, and with some sort of public health care, education, and so on, right? Again, harking back to this idea that there is something beyond ideology. In 1968, during the Prague Spring, uh, reform econ economist Otto Sick proposed a third-way economic reform as a part of a political liberali liberalization within the country, right? Uh, Harold Mac uh, Macmillan, a British prime minister from 1957 to 1963, based his philosophy of government in what he sum summarized in 1938 in, he summarized in the 1938 book called The Middle Way. So another thing, Aim, is that you also see with a lot of right-wing uh, 
political movements in the 30s, 40s, 50s also used this idea of the third way. Famously, Mussolini would say that he was fascism was beyond capitalism and socialism. It was a third way. So he had capitalism, socialism, and fascism. Yeah, even Hitler, by the way, the fact that um, his Nationalist Socialist Workers Party uh, or Nationalist Workers yeah, Socialist because Party, it's again showing like he's beyond ideology. But it makes sense because they had capitalist policies, and s- but it was government-run capitalism. Yeah, yeah. So you have this idea also with fascism that there's this fascism gives you a third way, yes. a third option. So capitalism <clears throat> intentions through socialist methods. Yeah, because uh, as much as like a lot of right wing people say, "Oh, but Hitler put socialism in his name," it's like, yeah, okay, sure. But if you really look at it, businesses still ran privately throughout all of Germany, bro. Um, it was just whatever businesses Hitler decided. Hitler wanted, you know. Uh, same thing with uh, fascist Italy, you know. What I mean, and it's again, it's this centrist idea. It's it's a centrist idea. It's like okay, we're gonna nationalize some things, but for the most part, everything runs the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a uh, complete. Anyways, in 1970s, a group of Italian fasc- neo fascists named Spontanista. Uh, groups have claimed to be neither right or left, right? Uh, in 1980s, a neo-fascist organization called the Third Way rose in France, who went by the slogan, neither trusts nor Soviets, okay? No, the French, like, uh, <laughs> spontanista. Sponta- spontanista. Okay, I'm just seeing what's the actual pronounce. So spontanista is masculine plural. What does it mean, you mean? Yeah, it's it means revolutionary spontaneity, spontaneous, spontaneous. So it, that could make sense. That's why they claim neither right or left, right? Because yeah, they're, they're spontaneous. They're being spontaneous. Yeah, that's the idea of it. And yeah, and then again, we said there was a neo-fascist organization called the Third Way, spontaneous, yeah. uh, which means which went by neither trust nor Soviets. This okay, so. This brings us to the 1980s, and this wave will explode in the United States and Britain, like we said, from the 80s and one to the 90s, right? But this was a post-Cold Cold War world, right? So we reached the end of what they say, the end of history, or the what they call the end of ideology. Politics will be governed, or like what Clinton and Tony Blair would promote, politics will be governed scientifically, not by emotions. So what it pretty much indicates is depending on the situation, they will lean left or right. Exactly. We'll take it on situation basis. Yeah, every situation is a different base. Which sounds good on paper, but if you really break it down... It's spontaneous, bro. (laughs) One might say it's spontanista. (laughs) You know? I'm feeling like spontanista. Okay, so now part two. The Clinton revolution, right? Yes. So Clinton and Al Gore made their bid for the White House in 1992 on the campaign of providing a new approach to government that yeah. would... To think Al Gore was just a secondary character. Right? <laughs> what, that, a, what a glow up he had. <laughs> Yo, it's so crazy to me. Like, if you think about it, Al Gore and Bush was 22 years ago, that election. Or 23 years ago. That's insane. You know what I mean? Like, Al Gore was a main talking point 23 years ago. Now he completely, I don't know, destroying the world with his bullshit climate climate control theories. The sarcasm in that guy. <laughs> Yo, you're silencing me, man. <laughs> I wasn't sarcastic. So Clinton, so their campaign was on the new approach that government would offer less entitlement and more 
empowerment. Fuck that word. That would expand opportunity and bureaucracy, right? The DLC staffer Bruce Reed and, of course, one of the main characters of all this is called a person named Al From. Al From? Al From. From where? From the DLC. So Al from from the DLC Pender the report called the Clinton revolution With a clear plan On how the first 100 days of Clinton's presidency would be The idea was simple really It was a version of neoliberalism That stated the role of government Is to stimulate market oriented solutions To address societal problems Such as unemployment and poverty I.e. government bailouts This is where the idea came for Democrats to bail out companies because the, the solution to society is to stimulate the market. Now, they didn't want to get rid of welfare, right? But they wanted to recalibrate welfare to fit a different purpose in which it was to bring poor, the poor people into the nation's economic mainstream. The third way also saw a different purpose to the criminal justice system in which it's to prevent crime and punishment. Uh, sorry, it was to prevent crime and punish criminals and not finding the root reason for the behavior. They did not care. It's like, and you know Clinton, one thing he was famous for is his tough on crime approach. And I'm pretty sure you know one quote Hillary Clinton said about... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Clinton declared that the Democrats um, had to give people a new choice rooted in old values, and he would run on the platform of opportunity, responsibility, and community. And his vow was to end welfare as we know it. But to anyone under the sun and above a rock, you would know that Clinton was leaning to the right. It was clear as day. He, I mean, he comes from the south of the United States, which I'm not going to diss because um, we actually have followers who listen to this podcast from the American South. Which is great. And fantastic. Yo, by the way, like we've had people from Kansas listen to us, Texas. Shout uh, out to those areas. Yeah. Um, like even the most random places like Oregon. That's nice. Yeah. So that's really nice. But yeah, but anyways... <laughs> We're gonna bash Clinton, guys. No, <laughs> we got you. We got you. We're getting there, guys. Yeah, yeah. Epstein, all that. We're getting there, guys. <laughs> Wait on us. Yeah. So anyone knows that Clinton knows. <laughs> We're gonna get them all. <laughs> We're gonna get the money. Get them. We're gonna get them all. We're gonna get them all, man. <laughs> one by one, taking them down. But Clinton was leaning on the right, right? So yeah. was his peers, and among them, of course, was Joe Brendan. And again, if you want, Joe Brendan. Joe Biden, sorry. <laughs> Dude, you're so warped on this joke. No, yo, bro, like you're going too far to please these can the can our Kansas. Yo, I'm actually like fans. I'm actually convinced now. His name is just Brandon. Yeah, okay, Joe Brandon. Joe <laughs> Joe Biden, and I've got, again, like I said, uh, Clinton went on a very tough, uh, like he went on a crime like he was tough on the crime bill in 1994 if you don't even like even go watch biden's views on crime in the 1990s you'll yeah. see that he's a very tough on crime individual you know Dude, yeah and uh he said that i remember there was a speech him saying that black people aren't educated enough to use condoms did he actually say that we need to educate black people to use condoms and hillary clinton said they were super predators yeah uh, and then they say oh reagan was a racist because say welfare queen it's like that you're all racist bro you know all of you, even like both sides. The welfare was canceled for something called micro loans, in which um, they would give loans to small businesses uh, for the poor, like poor people, for poor people to start their own small businesses. Giesemer would trace the history of micro lending to a small organization called Shore Bank, a small commercial bank 
in Chicago. So it was like this disillusion that like an anti-poverty program by just giving money to poor people to start their own businesses. Of course, the problem with that is that usually people, the poor lack capital to start a business from with no upfront money or with no upfront capital, if you will. Again, the barriers of entry in the market is very hard. And the occasional one who did get uh, successful, which of course happens you know there's always one that or two that break away it's always headlined in the newspaper that this micro lending is working uh you never take in the whole hundreds who failed for the two to succeed uh, of course this whole bootstrap logic of micro enterprise helped sidestep a central contradiction of clintonomics or clinton's economics that market forces such as nafta and welfare reform were not creating good jobs and of course, the rent in houses were dramatically outpacing income growth. So rather than confront the actual effects of these policy choices, the administration paraded the odd defying and scattered success stories. For example, such as the welfare, mo- the welfare mom who opened a beauty shop. And you see this highlighted in Hollywood. It's always a beauty shop. Yeah, like how many movies in Hollywood would you see like a single mom who opens a store or like a barbershop or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is a cliche. For it sure. is a cliche. And the public housing tenant who bought a home in the suburbs, you know what I mean? Who finally broke out of the urban ghetto and bought a home in suburbia. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and, or like the whole um, charter schools with their dramatically raised test scores to encourage people to join charter schools, which were, if you want, workshop schools to that focus you on one specified skill. Uh, Bill, Cl- Bill, Bill, Clinton. Bill Gates would be famous for funding charter schools. So these policy changes uh, or these policy choices are shaped, of course, by larger economic realities. Like other capitalist na- nations, the United States um, is no different. Private business interests are the key decision makers in the United States. And Clinton wasn't short on trying to woo all Ra- Ronald Reagan's donors who voted for Ronald Reagan, who were focused on market failures and private growth and profitability. He went and he's like, I want to get those people to support Well, me. look, I think this is one thing that they're not wrong in, in the sense where, uh, and I think this is where Biden and Trump struggle with too, is that if you win a vote by 52%, okay, that's 48% of the nation not happy with you. You have to, unif- you have to make, you have to please them. Regardless of the demographic, they're your people. And I don't want to jump the gun too much with this, but the problem that you're right, being in the middle, you have to make them feel felt because it's their country too. You're, you're getting some from X and some from Y, you know, instead of focusing completely on X and some of Y. If you had 200 on X and 200 on Y, Chances are you could get 150 from there and 115 from there. You still get the majority. Yeah. But the problem is when you're on a centrist ground, and again, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but you're on a shaky ground to begin with because you're trying to appease to two people that have different views. So it's good to get you votes, but it's never good to remain a loyalty, like to gain you a loyal fan base. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the end, the market is a prison, right? You are imprisoned by the head honchos of the market. Clinton would even abandon the black vote, pretty much used African-Americans as foils for his problems, right? He snubbed Jesse Jackson. He denounced Sister Soldier. He executed Ricky Rector, who already, by the way, uh, who was already mentally gone by the time he was executed because of failed suicide attempt, which left him pretty much uh, lobotomized. You want to know kind of a crazy story? Halfway through uh, Clinton's elections in 1992, he flew to Arkansas yeah, yeah, yeah. to oversee the execution of Ricky Rector. And then he went back to continue on his campaign. Like he flew all the way back just to see like this 
lobotomized dude get executed by the uh, needle. Hardcore. Yeah, and he just went. And of course, not to mention his welfare reforms affected African Americans. His crime bill targeted African Americans for the most part, as always. Um, so Clinton, you know, but whatever. Clinton, as, as you know, won the race, you know. He proved that centrism, after all, does work. It got the most votes. And once in office, Clinton subsidized many of the Democratic's traditional voting base, such as unions. He even advanced Bush's uh, NAFTA, which affected a lot of blue-collar households because jobs started moving to Mexico. Uh, by the end of his four years, Clinton would declare that the era of big government is over. And that's a quote. Um, so by the time of his re-election, Clinton targeted a new group of Americans, the quote-unquote soccer moms. Interesting. And he would eventually defeat, defeat. <laughs> he would eventually defeat Doyle in the in that demographic. But the problem was that the is that white suburban moms tended to vote for a Democratic president but a Republican Senate or Congress. Maybe we could do an episode on the history of soccer moms and yeah. see the politics behind soccer moms. It's just a trend that usually white suburban moms tend to vote for a Democratic president. Like, I guess they're like liberal moms, right? Out and out, they want to come off as liberals, but from within, they want to adhere to traditional values, especially when it comes closer to home. So like federal laws doesn't really, like, oh yeah, I'm anti-guns, I'm I'm anti-guns, I'm uh, anti-whatever. But when it comes to things like, oh no, okay, but I want tough on crime policing, Um, I'm assuming. So anyways, uh, Clinton got that vote, but at the end of the run, he didn't really care what, he was kind of even happy that a lot of Republicans were winning seats because then that kind of makes him doesn't have to face a lot of scrutiny from Democrats with his like when he starts abolishing or reforming welfare. The Republicans are more likely to agree with him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Clinton's second run, the DLC pushed for him to pursue a fundamental restructuring of the biggest systems of delivering public benefits such as Medicare, Social Security and public education. They wanted him to like restructure this. And, and put an emphasis on marketplace solutions and promote, promoting individual wealth creation. Will Marshall, the president of the DLC's affiliated PPI, Progressive Policy uh, Institute, wrote, and I quote, and it would embody a new approach of governing based on a, new, uh, on a key new Democrat insight, that in the information age, government's role is not to take care of us, but to give us the tools we need to take care of ourselves and each other. So the government is not there to be a big brother anymore. Um, More like an advisor. Yeah. Uh, like and you a can big see, uncle. Uh, in late 1997, Clinton secretly met with Newt Grint, uh, Gingrich, the head of the GOP leader at the time. He's a name from the past. Yeah, legend. <laughs> and the U.S. House Committees of Ways and Means Chair, Bill Archer, to hammer out a plan to partially privatize Social Security. They wanted to privatize Social Security. That's crazy. Clinton said, and I quote, I'm prepared to take the political heat to provide political cover for the Republicans. Wow. The outlines of the deal included hiking the retirement age. They wanted to push up the retirement age. The diversion of, of portion of payroll tax dollars into private accounts. In return, Clinton wanted a promise that the Republicans would not try to use the budget surplus to cut taxes. So it's like, I'm willing to do these, but you promise you won't cut taxes with the, with the budget surplus. Uh, Clinton and Greengridge planned to announce that their Social Security privatization deal in 1998. And then um, the two would try to overhaul Medicare, that they'll try to abolish Medicare. 
And the president's strategy was to assemble a coalition of Republicans and conservative New Democrats, or what we call the Blue Dog Democrats, to pass in something called the Entitlement Reform. But can you think of something that happened in 1998 that stopped this from happening? Lewinsky? Yes. Monica Lewinsky happened, and Clinton re- re- recalled on... And Lost everything. He couldn't announce it, because he was now under scrutiny because of what happened with Monica Lewinsky. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. She kind so, of saved uh, America. Exactly. So the scandal saved, uh, Monica Lewinsky's scandal remained of, saved the American welfare system. You know what I mean? Which is crazy to think about. Think about it, yeah. Um, so typical of a man, though, huh? But yeah, and again, she was the one who got harassed the most out of all this, which is disgusting. Absolutely. Like he was a man of power and took care, like took advantage of the situation. And she's the one who got scrutinized. She was an intern too. Yeah. Like I want, like I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it ruined her career, but I'm assuming her career wasn't like she, her whatever what her 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 ambitions were when she was interning, completely destroyed. Yeah. Completely destroyed. And like. Uh, I always have this notion, there's always this concept that when it's a man of power who's cheating, he was weak in this, and she was the conniving seductress. Yeah, he was caught in a moment of weakness. Yeah, yeah, whereas, and then she was, but nah, it was the complete opposite. You have the, like, the most powerful man in the world at, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, versus an intern. Exactly. Who, who she was what? Like, like, people melt when they see a celebrity. Imagine when you're with the president. Yeah. And it's a president you're interning for. It's yeah, crazy. and Clinton did have charisma, was clever with his words, had an aura to him. Played the sax. There was like there was an attraction towards Clinton more so than any other president, like from what I remember as well. And then when like the Lewinsky thing happened, all the jokes were on there. All the jokes yeah. they were mocking the Clinton Lewinsky incident. It's like, bro, like <laughs> it's not it's not even what politics is, right? No. Anyways, still fucked up what he did. Still fucked up. But anyways, she technically saved the welfare or the scandal technically saved the welfare state. So the problem with centrism and the Clinton way is that, the like we said, it leaves everything lost in translation and no one truly understands where Clinton is standing. So when it comes to vote for him, uh, Stanley Greenberg, Clinton's former pollster, uh, argued that Clinton had won because people incorrectly assumed he was a traditional Democrat. And they didn't know that he was skewed to the right. And that's the problem. So you had people on the right who voted for Clinton because of his charisma. And like, oh, he's kind of leaning towards us right now. And then you have people in Democrat who thought he was still Democrat. He was like a Democrat. So they, they just thought, I think that's the problem with, um, I mean, now this is going to be controversial to say, but I will oh. say this at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's changed now, but it shows the voting trends of Democrats versus Republicans. Democrats, no matter who the person is, if it's Democrat, he or she, they're voting Democrat. Whereas the Republicans, like, he's a bit right-leaning. Maybe I'll, I'll, listen, I'll hear him out or her out. I think now it's kind of now the division is there. that If he's a Republican, I'm voting Republican. Well, if no he's a Democrat, I'm voting Democrat. No but at that time, I'm saying it almost seemed like Republicans were more like, let's hear his policies out. Was a Democrat like, oh, he's a Democrat. Okay, I'll vote for him. But that was the that was the Clinton strategy, right? To appeal to the Republicans, because like, he knew he, was, he knew he had the Democratic. He vote. knew Democrats would vote Democrat either way, because no matter how right he is, he's still not as right as 
the person exactly is, exactly is the, so that i got that base smart it's smart it's smart but it leaves you uncertain right who's we who's you the population yeah that, he doesn't really care who clinton he doesn't but i'm talking about Adam. President. right i think <clears throat> you that think he was probably trying to create a third party i don't know why he never did because this seemed like the grassroots of do you think if the monica Lewinsky scandal didn't happen you think he would have been able to make a third party by 2000 or like someone from that group will come out and be like we're the third party you have democrats you have republican you have left right and center you decide yeah but now it's just uh, right and center there's no left anymore well, we'll get to that later. Is, yeah, that, we, is that the conclusion of the song? <laughs> yeah. Is that you're going to conclude? I'm going to, yeah. Guys, just so you know, there's, there's no, no right, there's no left anymore. Yeah, good, good. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> Part three. Yeah. The 90s economic boom. And this is one thing that Clinton's famous for, right? The economic boom. Yeah, the surplus. So... One thing that a lot of people look back to the Clinton era with fondness is the economy. And by the time the dude left, unemployment dropped to below 4%. Wages rose steadily. There was a stock market boom. The budget ended on a surplus. Inflation remained under control. Um, But when the tech bubble bursted in... Burst. Is burst like the past tense? It's not bursted? Okay. But when the tech bu- <laughs> when the tech bubble burst happened in twenty in two thousand, uh, and the recession that followed revealed that the uh, and the recession that followed revealed that the nineties boom was like more of a less than inflatable doll at best, and a mirage at worst. Clinton's policies, as a result, made things worse because once the sorry the tech bubble burst happened, his policies did not support the poor. Everyone crumbled. So to quote from. 538's uh, Ben Castleman, he said that the mortgage-backed securities and subprime loans weren't invented in the 90s, but they were expanded greatly during the period and part of a broader fiscalization of the United States economy that contributed directly to the severity of the Great Recession. Critics on the right argued that Clinton administration policies promoted increased lending to low-income and minority applicants contributed to the bubble. Critics on the left, including Bernie Sanders, argue that Clinton's deregulation of the banking industry paved the way for the crisis. Both sides blamed Clinton for the recession because either he gave too much lending to the poor, either that he took deregulated the banks who gave the lending to the poor. It crashed the system in the 2000s. And in gutting wealth... So either way, though, Bernie Sanders was still implying that lending the poor was a wrong decision. He said, yeah, which is... It's just another way of saying the bank shouldn't have lended the poor. No, they should have, uh, yeah. Like, you don't give a a poor man a a million dollars knowing that he can't pay off a million dollars. And in gutting welfare and signing NAFTA and cutting gaps capital gains tax and deregulating Wall Street, Clinton's policy did tremendous harm to the poor and the working class while helping to set the stage for what would come in 2008. Um, So... Economic boom of the 90s was, was a result of what we call the dot-com boom because that was the rise of the internet. Uh, shout out to the data harvesting episode. Mm-hmm. So it made it look like Clinton improved the economy. Uh, so he was also a shoe in to win when it came to his re-elections, right? And in fact, he courted liberal elites who supported economic populism. And we see this shift where 
blue collar workers, especially during Clinton's second run, becoming an afterthought to the Democratic Party. Now it's time to woo the liberal rich, the poor working class man or woman. They're fine. They're, they're yeah. So he won because tw- he won twice without them, you know. Um, which is interesting because I want to come to that point later about the working class and their votes. Uh, Clinton's policy not only disproportionately harmed the poor, he also lost the loyalty of the working class white man or white person or white people. Uh, DLC's founder, Al Fromm, echoed in his diagnosis, the sharp class difference of the industrial ages are becoming less distinct as more and more Americans move into middle and upper class. He argued that the Democrats should therefore give up targeting either people of color or the white working class and to say nothing of the poor during their elections. And instead to go after the affluent, educated, diverse and suburban, wired and moderate members of society. It's almost smart because if you don't talk about the poor, then it makes it seem like America is not poor. Exactly. It's this idea, right? Centrism is great for votes, but it's not great at maintaining loyalty. Uh, It was a political movement built on using key buzzwords and trying to hold a stick from the middle. Um, You see that this doesn't bode well. So part four. The, the third way goes international. So a few politicians from Great Britain took note of Clinton's rise and his role in the DLC. And soon after Clinton won the presidential campaign, Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, another guy who was a secondary character in the 90s, Gordon Brown. Yeah, and they took over later. Yeah. yeah. And a person named Jonathan Powell of the Labour Party flew to Washington to meet with Al Fromm. Al from uh, the DLC? Yeah, Al from from the DLC. Okay, yeah. <laughs> in meeting, the Labour Party wondered how the new approach that the Democrats had taken had changed or shaped the party and the elections, right? From the 80s, the Labour Party had fallen out of power, and during that time, Blair had tried to develop his critiques on why this was the case. Why was the Labour falling out of favor, especially under Thatcher's reign? Uh, keen on rallying against the party's allegiance to the industrial past and highlighted... Uh, the DLC stands on issues such as the private sector and law and order to modernize the party. He focused less on the working class and labor class and appealed also to the affluent upper, upper class. So much so that when he was elected as labor leader, he rebranded the party as New Labor. Clever. You want to know how he spelled new? And you. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> In order to distance itself from its socialist pro-working class, right? So the idea of new labor was like, this is a new labor that's not focused on old industrial ideas, such as union workers or unions and working class coal miners. So it will be a new labor. It will be a new Britain. So Blair announced in his first speech as a party leader that he wanted to rewrite an 80 year old clause in the labor's constitution that committed the party to, quote, the common ownership of the means of production, distribution and exchange. He wanted to take that out. Wow. Uh, the Labour Party, by the way, was built on socialist values. Yeah, I know. Um, Blair's redraft of the cause called for a dynamic economy built on the enterprise of the market and the rigor of competition. Where yep. did you hear that? Yeah. He announced as well that the trade unions should expect no favors from his government. <laughs> he saw himself as somewhat of the middleman, you know, he's in the middle. He's not as heartless as the market neoliberalism of Thatcher, but he's not also a socialist embracing Labour Party member of the past. And this is when we see him starting adopting a buzzword called the third way. In 1997, Blair and the Labour would win the elections on this slogan. 
By the end of the year, and before changing his address to 10 Downing Street, Blair hosted a transatlantic retreat for the New Democrats and the New Labour to strategize on how to convert the allegiances of those who voted for them to add the ideas of centrism. He wanted to get those people to be loyal members, who voted for him to be loyal members of the party. So they stick with him. Yeah. As uh, Al Fromm from the DLC, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs> from. <laughs> Recalled, there's no way that he saw that name and he's like, you know what? I want to, I want to say, unless pronounced like from, from maybe, Al- but spelled from, Al- from, Al- from. Uh, as he recalled, Blair urged the gathering and he said, quote, We need to brand our politics so we can occupy the territory, which is um, a pretty strange word coming from a British Especially prime minister. After. <coughs> and he occupied three quarters of the world before. Even though it was pretty much something that the Democrats were preaching for, uh, for for a better part of the decades, they were infused, they were enthusiastic to change the core ideas of the Democratic once and for all. So the Democrats, sure, they were like, yeah, we've been doing this from the 80s, but they liked that Blair had the enthusiasm of creating a new loyal fan base, you know? Uh, so Blair, in a weird way, was kind of like the flavor flavor of centrism. Interesting. Yeah, you know? I didn't think so because it was pretty boring. You know, he's surprisingly, he's a lot, he's a very articulate. So I was watching his speeches while prepping for this. He's very well at articulate as a prime minister. Like I could see, especially in the 90s, he was very charismatic when he spoke. Okay. So, and he implemented a series of initiatives from the New Democrats agenda. You want to know how the New Democrats spelled their new? And you? Of course. Yes. He, con- yeah. he contracted out public services such as housing, education, and national health, was all contracted out to private brokers. He would enact programs such as baby bonds, which gave every child a small investment fund with every privatization. He was quick to frame these policies as something more than just Thatcher. So anytime he would privatize, like, yeah, but this is not what Thatcher was doing. Many Brits saw through the bullshit and saw this, Amer- and they thought he was American, uh, American, Americanizing, Americanizing. Americanizing the politics of Britain and of the Labour Party. The Labour Party also shafted at him as well. Like, I mean, it's not like Americana was the beacon of equality in the 90s, right? Yeah. And the socioeconomic inequality grew worse in the 90s also in America. Like, there was the LA riots. Yeah. Um, some critics would even call it Thatcherism with a human face or a distilled new liberalism, while others criticize the third-way centrist politics for, for its lack of depth and lack of grounds. If it stands for nothing... You'll fall for anything. Exactly. Um, to counter that in a way, Anthony Giddens published The Third Way. He wanted to kind of like justify its existence. His Anthony Giddens is one of, um, what's the name's advisors? Blair. And he sought to provide a theoretical underpinning to Blair's catchphrases while trying to make it feel like new, The Third Way was kind of a synthesis of politics right now. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the new evolution of ideas. Uh, he stressed that social democrats should take a new look at the political center. And he also suggested that this center should be regarded as not empty of substance, but as rather another form of moderation. It's like a continuation of that uh, German. Protest. Exactly. Instead, he argued that British politics should pivot to the radical center as well. And he focused on radical solutions to meet the problems of the age. As overblown and oxymoronic it was, the third way migrated beyond... Uh, the two arrivals of the 1776 revolution, it moved into continental Europe. Germany's prime minister at the time, Gerhard Schroeder, announced that his allegiance to the Third Way and to a new centrist project. 
He espoused in his 1998 elections that he would win with a new middle for a reunited German Republic and that there was the need to modernize social democracy for the 21st century. This is also when we see the appropriation of the term progressive, that they're now a progressive party and that the center was a new progressive form of politics for the year 2000. Uh, 1999, the DLC hosted an event called the Third Way, the progressive governments of the 21st century. On the panel, it was Clinton, Blair, Schroeder and a Dutch Prime Minister, Wim Kok, and Italian Prime Minister... <laughs> Silence. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of W-I-M-C-O-C-K-O-K, Wim Kok. Wim Kok. Wim Kok. Clinton said Wim Kok. Is he? Yeah. So I'm going to go with how Clinton... Wimplow. <laughs> Wimplow. Hey, if you're all alive, then surely Wimplow. The Italian Prime Minister, also Massimo Di, Di Alma was there. Oh, and Al Fromm was there too. He's always there. <laughs> Al Fromm was everywhere. Al Fromm was everywhere. Point, and the point was to have a conversation that showed the values and ideas of the third party and the modernizing of the center left. The Italian prime minister also said, like, look at this weird one. He said that the third way was a result of a crisis of ideologies and not the victory of ideologies. No one reacted to that. <laughs> it felt flat. That's an interesting line though. I'm pretty sure people like, this don't, is, yeah, don't say that. Um, anyways, this is one of the series of events that were held from 1997 to 2001, all to ensure and all to maintain the right <clears throat> progressive new thinking. And this was kind of their way of legitimizing it, right? So they would hold these events and publish it on TV like this is a legitimate new, wo- new world order. Okay, continuation of what George Bush said. And Hulk Hogan. Yeah, together. Yeah. Together, yeah, in, 19, in WCW. Yeah, when they took over. <laughs> The timing did match, though, the era of the NWO. Yeah, the, N- the NWO was a new center to wrestling, for sure. Um, yeah, well, they weren't heels, but they, weren't, they were cool heels. So Clinton was a cool heel. So if, if we could, if we use the bron- Macho Man Hulk Hogan as a Bronze Age example. Hollywood Hulk Hogan was Clinton. <laughs> it, was Cl- <laughs> it was Clinton era America. So every history episode, we're going to use it. Hulk what Hogan. era of Hulk Hogan? Yeah. <laughs> On the scale of Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's Hulk- ca- Hulkamania What's to that? Hollywood. What range are Hulk you? Hulk Hogan's, all his gimmicks was like, you know what, brother? I want to take a historical event and embody that. No, I think historical events embodied Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> what came first? From 97 to 2001, it t- they tried to gain the le- legitimacy, kind of like the NWO. But... Um, but, in, but a week after the fame, so uh, uh, Seattle was where the World Trade Organization was being held, and there was a big ass protest that happened there. Yeah, I was there when I was six. Yeah, and it was launched against the World Trade Organization and the IMF, and it was a lot of left wing people's frustration that these elites were discussing the future uh, of the world behind closed doors, and that no one was allowed to listen in. Was Alex Jones there? I said left wing frustrations. Where was Alex Jones in? Where was Alex Jones in 1999? Now Probably that's a question. Trying to get into the Bohemian Grove <laughs> from 1999 <laughs> to the year he released it, he was trying to get, to get in. in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a deep recon. That's why he went insane. Maybe he was. Maybe he was doing his his. Uh, you know, I'm just waiting for you to start talking about the Masonic roots of the, Clinton, the, the Third Way of Clinton. First try, yeah. first try. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Because yeah. if you think about it, if the right was on the bottom. And the left was on the bottom. Then on the top, in the shape of a pyramid, you get the third. No, you're way. gonna find at the end when the episode is done. 
Mm-hmm. Like the episode's one hour, but it's actually like three hours. Yeah. There's going to be silence. <laughs> and then we get into the Mason stuff. Like it's a hidden track. The hidden episode. <laughs> to, keep, to keep the new metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how new metal tracks have like a lost track. Yeah. So it'll be like, if you guys are still here, we're going to be talking about Yeah. It. We're like, okay, guys, good night. And there's like 15 silence minutes of silence. And we're like, guys, are you still there? And then we're here okay, to yeah. talk about the Masons. The, Masons. <laughs> the, the new Lord of the Illuminati. <laughs> It all started with the third way. Yeah. So yeah, so they were protesting left-wing frustrations elite, and the ideas that elites were discussing shit behind closed doors. And more people began to see the third way for what it really was. It was just trade-based global capitalism, right? Part five, uh, new metal died in the 2000s and so did new democracy. Oh, oh it, it's, it's all j- j- just an act. These protests followed by the 2000 elections and of course a year later you'd get 9-11 and its dramatic impact on the world which is 100% going to be an episode for the future I think, right? I think so too, yeah. Uh, you think it's the most pivotal moment in the last 50 no, years? I think it's the modern year, yeah. Yeah, or like in, at least in the 21st century? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone we're seeing now is a chain reaction of 9-11 to, and the collapse of the USSR. The traumatic impact also killed the center-left political consensus. We were entering a new world, right? Uh, the new labor dropped the term new. Uh, new Democrats also got rid of that term. New metal became alternative metal. WCW uh, was bought out, effectively <laughs> ending the, the NWO. NWO. Hulk Hogan uh, left le- wrestling for a bit. bit yeah. History, history wasn't ending and ideologies weren't dead. But if anything, the 2000s re- was defined by the resurgence of ideology. And I think that's one thing we forget that re- ideologies started to resurface back in the 2000s. Everyone had a stance now. You know what I mean? Yeah, the left or right. Yeah. Or... Uh, and this doesn't mean that the third way didn't try to revive itself, right? It, again, like new metal. In 2005, it tried to revive itself by creating a think tank called the third way, uh, which would try to take up the mantle, but it was again dissolved in 2011. In 2016, an offshoot called the, the Global Progress tried to kick off a reunion tour, including the original members, Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Damn. Was Al from there? <laughs> I have no idea. It's not the same without Al from. <laughs> that's, from why the the, that's why the comeback didn't work. Yeah. It wasn't a comeback <laughs> to Al from from the DLC wasn't there. <laughs> from now on, if Al from ever shows up, we just come Al from from the DLC. No, seriously, was he involved? I, I don't know. Can you, can you check? I'll check quickly for yeah. you. I remember when they did that thing and they all looked really old. Yeah, I remember he was like, looked like he was dying, bro. Yeah, because of his soul was being sucked from the devil he signed his deal with <laughs> to create the third part. Yeah, was he part of the progress? Uh, thing? No, in 2013 he authored the book called "The New Democrats and Their Return to Power." Bill Clinton wrote the foreword, of course. But he turned received praise from Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, of course. But he didn't do the reunion <laughs> with them. It doesn't say so, bro. <laughs> it's like when. Uh, Someone posts a picture of the profile pic on Facebook and only his best friends like it. Yeah. (laughs) Only two reviews on Amazon. (laughs) Tony Blair and his best friends. Yeah. That's funny. They tried a reunion tour, uh, believing that the third way would overcome this income inequality and divisive identity based politics of the of 2016 uh, plaguing much of the world. And by but in 2016, with the rise of the alt right populism, the new wave of leftists. Uh, taking control there was like no one wanted a middle ground anymore you know what i mean bad timing yeah and no one cared about technocrats we started with this quote from tony judd like i said in 1998 if every age has its cliches then the 90s was the third way 
He warned also in 1998 that unless its adherents found a social vision that unified a fragmented public sphere around the true common good, there would be a vacuum in public life, a space that would be filled by third wayers of old sort, whose populist xenophobic prescri- prescriptions are already attracting interest. He said this in 1998, that if the, new, if the third way didn't find the true common good goal, um, the third way would lead to populism and xenophobia. The third way's greatest legacy, of course, is that it dismantled uh, left-wing responses to crisis. The Democrats have lost its left-wing edge. The Labour Party, for the most part, until Jeremy Corbyn, have lost its left-wing edge. And I think when Jeremy Corbyn got released or like stepped down, the person who took over was tried to bring back this whole new centrism yeah. to the Labour Party. Um, so yeah, so in America, the left wing have, has lost its identity. Uh, now I'm gonna okay. and wait, and this was like in, like brought by like this late stage of info capitalism that Clinton brought in. So the United States, in the wake of 1990s, 2000, is fragmented. It's ununited. The Democratic Party is not even left anymore. If it moved center right, then the, then see the problem is when the Democratic moved center right. The GOP moved further right. And if it keeps going that way. Yeah, then keeps going. Yeah. But that's why Obama tried to see it a bit more left. A bit. But then the Democratic Party has become known for selling out the common workers for big techs and broken promises and identity politics. Is there a reason why Trump and his European, Latin American, Asian counterparts flourished in the wake of 2008 recession? So this brings us to the last part and then I'll give you your say. It's called, I call it a thousand members or a bank. So the death of the third wave, for the most part, came after Bush won the 2000s election, right? Al Gore, who tried to run on a centrist political campaign, trailed behind Bush, for the most part of the election, by the way, until he tried to give a Hail Mary towards the end, and he started attacking Bush as a candidate who was in the pockets of oil tycoons and the rich. And that uh, he, he will was do- getting him uh, some grounds. Yeah, yeah, and he, one, yeah, and he will do away with social securities, which, which even brought the race closer, as you remember the 2000 elections. Yeah, it was controversial, right? It was rigged. Yeah, I think it was one of the closest races, and then like Florida was a whole yeah, question mark. Yeah, the whole mark. state where Jeb Bush was. Was it was it Jeb Bush who told Trump, "Can you apologize to my yeah, wife?" Yeah, and he didn't. <laughs> but Jeb Bush was the one managing those elections, and that's why there was a question mark. Yeah, yeah. When he tried to do that, and he tried to get close, it, it was to the dismay of the new Democrats. Al from uh, fumed at because uh, Al Gore was part of the new wave. Yeah, and he was pissed off at Al Gore for doing that. As a like, yo man, like what the. F- like, why are you telling him that he's in the pockets of the rich, you know? Uh, he fumed that this redistributionist policy, he's like, it doesn't work anymore. You can't win by attacking oil companies, big pharma or insurance company. And that Al Gore was at the risk of alienating the white upper class uh, voter. Uh, of course, after the law, after his loss, the Democrats had fallen to 53-year uh, lows in the Senate. Uh, if you remember Bush's reign, his first tenure was... Um, mostly Republicans. It was mostly red. America was red yeah. and not the good type of red. Many had attributed this to the Clintons, that the Republicans had gained so much uh, power that was unmatched during Reagan because Clinton was kind of low-key okay with the re- Republicans running uh, or at least being in the Senate. Uh, after his, uh, they would nominate, they would try to nominate John Kerry uh, yeah. in the 2000 and. He wasn't too Four. great. Uh, but Bush won by even a bigger margin. Yeah, I remember uh, that. So something had to change, right? Uh, they started to take more of a populist tone in 2006 and it kind of paid off with the Latino and Asian vote. But the DLC also wanted a horse in the race, right? And their choice for the 2008 presidential bid was... Hillary. Of course. 
and but she stood up against Obama. It's like it's like <laughs> having it's like literally having the most boring. Tell me two count. It's like it's like watching. Uh, it's like it's like having one of the best actors in terms of char- charisma. And Harry Styles being trying to force down your throat. Hey, don't bash Harry Styles. There's a lot mm. of Harry Styles fans out there. You know, I was looking at our list and a lot of our fans listen to Harry Styles from the southern states. So it's Kansas City. Harry, Harry Styles Style fans. fans. <laughs> <laughs> Can't bash Harry Styles. <laughs> but, but you know what it means? It's like you imagine you know, like Hillary Clinton, like Obama, to be honest. I mean, regardless of how people feel about him. Was charismatic. Pure charisma, man. With his uh, speech. Yeah, he had a way of talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's like as if, like, you know, his remember I, the his, movie? His iconic, like, his his speeches are iconic. You remember, like, the great white hype? Mm. Where they tried to hype, like, this very boring white dude to be the next fight, and they kind of, like, had I, to blow I, I, him I up. I want to rewatch that film. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. It's exactly like that. It's like, this Hillary is going to be, like, the new hype, man. Like, Rio, bro, it's her, and it's like, she's the most boring fighter bro like what are you doing you know she went up against obama which was he was much more charismatic had a greater appeal uh, for the people and when hillary tried to distance herself from her husband's neoliberal reforms it did little to sway voters especially with her super when her super predators remark came out uh and by the way the problem is with putting hillary there was that there's so much well-equipped female politicians that could become president and they picked the most by the book jaded, like the ultimate face of neoliberal uh, democ- democracy. Not just that, just like when, when we think of American corrupt politicians, it's Hillary, Hillary, Bill, George Bush. She just is part of that crew. It's just like she's literally a lady who's been groomed for politics, and we know she has. She's yeah, she's so. Whereas fake. Obama came off very organic. Yeah, yeah, like Hillary is like molded yeah 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 she's molded to say whatever you pay her to say i wonder if they put like someone like elizabeth warren against obama how would have that way yeah or but, maybe but elizabeth warren but then she got kind of like she kind of she's, shot herself in the foot with she's not charismatic she comes off as like an angry principal uh nancy that's, pelosi that's that doesn't resonate oh, screw nancy pelosi <laughs> but like uh, elizabeth warren comes off as like you know like two whatever her policies are but americans judge on unfortunately the, in democracy you vote on charisma plays a big factor yeah, yeah, you could be the best you could have the best policies known to man yeah elizabeth warren comes off as that principal who's good but people are scared of that's her. why a lot of republican dudes lost to trump they were not talking like trump they were not saying yeah, yeah, they, they did not have trump's charisma they couldn't match him man. yo and if they and like when ted cruz tried to go for word Dude, like war, if war, only words, if only obama and trump <laughs> Went to out of debate. <laughs> Dude, because Obama, Trump will say all these like dumb shit to piss him off. Obama. And Obama will give a quick quip. Yeah. That'll be too clever and go over his head. It was just, oh man, it would have been beautiful. Yeah. But like, like, I'm pretty sure everyone wished, like, again, that's a dream mic battle. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people wanted, uh, was it Donald Trump versus Bernie Sanders? Like, everyone thought that would be the debate. Maybe. But I also think, like, Sanders, like, he's not charismatic. He's charismatic in his own way, but but, but he was but Stand, uh, Sanders was just unconventional. He was uh, and the way they, he spoke, I guess they were both unconventional, and they spoke in a very unconventional. Yeah, way. yeah, they weren't. They didn't seem like Sanders looked like an angry man who <laughs> wanted to fix things, and Trump looked like a crazy man who wanted <laughs> to fix things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they both looked crazy. So and by the way, let's not forget that it was during the two thousand eight Democratic primaries that uh, Clinton's campaign posted. The picture of Obama in Somali clothes and tried to add this image of is he American enough to run? Which by the time Obama ran uh, against uh, 
who was a Romney, Romney yeah. uh, this would be brought up as Americanism, you know? So it was Hillary Clinton was the first one who brought up her campaign. Yeah, I remember they mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> now the problem with Obama is that Obama lacked a coherent economic philosophy. And in so far as he had one, it was very market friendly, what we call the University of Chicago Democrat, right? Um, I think one thing is famous during Obama's reign is the bailouts to big tech yeah, or and to then, companies. And they gave themselves raises, bonuses. Yeah. yeah, and there was no like checks and balances by the governments to make sure that these monies were well spent. Disgusting, yeah. Um, so he kind of also went a bit to the Clinton way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the 2010s, uh, the, right, the right wing would parrot the third way rhetoric. They'll try to move closer to the center. Uh, and that there, and a lot of right wingers, by the way, if you look at political pundits, they'll say they're more truth seekers than they are right or left. This would be championed by the Tea Party, who tried to push that they're not like the conventional Democrats, yeah. nor they're like the Demo- uh, the Republicans, but they're something more. They're outside the political spectrum, and they would insert buzzwords, right? Like, "Oh, I'm here for truth. I want what's best for the people." Da 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 da. Seventeen seventy six will commence again. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, France's own uh, Le Pen, uh, Front National Party slogan, was neither right nor left, but right French. That's interesting. Yeah. Macron Macron. Macron. Ran on the same, similar as well. They uh, had Hollande who was a bit left. Yeah, Hollande was a socialist. Uh, Yeah, I remember that. Macron tried to run on a similar uh, platform as well, that he was neither light or... Light, neither right or left. Uh, yet both were just drastically on the right. Uh, um, Le Pen, she's pretty much a fascist. And one thing we know about Macron is that he is what they call, or what the French would say, president for the rich, right? And that's yeah. why the protests against him rose. The yellow vest. Um, they both hate. They both had a disdain for the immigrants who came to the country, especially countries who the French have destroyed and pillaged and bankrupt. Uh, shout out to our Haiti episode. See how far that goes. Yeah, uh, I think Al Jones also tried to point out that he was beyond right and left as well, and that he's like somewhere on the truth-seeking mission. Yes, it has no um, political. You'd, side. you'd hear that also, like people like, "Oh, I used to vote right. Where I used to, I voted for Republicans. I voted for Democrats. I just want to vote for who is right at the right time." Mm-hmm. Uh, you see this echoing, right? <clears throat> but of course, all of them end up leaning leaning to the right at some point. And of course, the most recent example is Andrew Yang and his new forward party, a techno-libertarian, but his also his slogan was neither right nor left, but forward. But you can see how like this, these are what's being used today, right? So what's the legacy of the centrist ideology? In my opinion, is that because centrists have a shaky ground and after the 2008 economic recession, I think people have now wanted something more definitive. That's why there's a rise in populist right wing. I think there's a rise in socialism because of it. Because people are just tired of people who always say they're in the middle. It's exactly, if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And I think you could say I'm beyond ideology. Unfortunately, that's not the case. It doesn't work like that. I think, um, and there's a reason why someone like Trump became president look at italy now uh, look at the pink wave in uh, latin america lula the president before him i mean as we're speaking right now 
I think in Brazil there's a right wing uh, protest. Yeah, the Bolsonaro coup. Exactly, and they literally try, scene for scene remake a Brazilian remake of the January sixth yeah. <laughs> Congress thing. <laughs> You know what I mean? A Brazilian remake, January 6th protests. And it's like, um, the world's chaos, man. It's, uh, it's all populist presidents. And I, and I can't help it but think this is what happens when you've had like 30 years of centrism or 20 years of centrism. This is where it's got to the point. Now the world's so divided. Do you think it's related to centrist because we were so centrist for like the better part of the 90s and the 2000s? Probably. But then you have to look at first of why centrist, right? So like you said before, the Democrats were always known as a bit left-leaning, socialistic prior to that, right? Okay, but then when Russia fell, what did that prove to the Americans? That the left lost. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, that was the idea. So let's distance ourselves from the losing side. So the Democrats come off to me, to be honest, because they did the same when they lost to Trump. How do we make ourselves look better? They did the same after losing to Republicans back to back. And that's when they came up with the third way. Yeah. Now they're saying we need young immigrants, Americans. Identity politics. Identity yeah. politics. So it almost feels like the Democrats are always thinking, what is the trend? And how do we catch, and how on, do we it? catch on it? Whereas the right wings is like, we need to double down on right wing every time. That's the right wing. <laughs> we're right wing. We need to go further. Yeah, and further. we're not right enough. Right more. Right more. Right more. Right more. That like it seems like, which is look. I'm I'm not a right wing or Republican but, fan, but it's commendable that they're consistent with their views, no matter how shitty it is. Whereas but, the Democrats, they flip flop. But you saw the division in the Republican party within the Republicans now, which is funny. Is how right is right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also so, like showing which is the whole like, thing. But the Democrats are almost like, we need a new facelift. Guys, what's going to be our face this election? Because wasn't McCarthy center-right? Yeah. Right? He's a right centrist. And then the people who flipped shit or like who didn't vote for him were like Matt Gates. The ones who he allowed to gain so much in the, when he was there. Mm-hmm. So the people who stood against him are the super right ones who he gave a lot of powers before he came here. And now they're the ones screwing him over because it's too center. Uh, it's not wrong to choose a side now because I'll tell you why. Like you said, Clinton was center and who who benefited from it? The Republicans. No, as in population. Upper class. The rich. The rich. When Bush was president. The rich. Right wing. Who benefited from it? The rich. When Obama was president. Who, the rich. Who benefited from it? The rich, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have poor right wing and poor left wing. Yeah. Regardless of. So the poor right wing are like the Democrats benefited the rich. And right? then the poor left wing. wing are like the Republicans benefited the because rich. he was in the center. You didn't know who's who. Who's who? So that's why it's like we have to be extreme. So neither right nor left are wrong in their hate for their cent- for the center. You know, they're each blaming. So now uh, Trump was like the reason why the rich, the bailout shit, all that stuff, it wouldn't have happened. The reason why China's taking our jobs, ta 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 ta, is because of your centrist weak politicians. Whereas Obama, when he took over Bush, is like the reason why the recession happened and all that shit. And the terrorists are winning and all that. That was because what's name was too center in his policies to take away the powers of big companies. And I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So this is why America has gone to extremes because the center from both sides, and it's always been the case, the most revered or well-remembered presidents are the ones who are intensely left or intensely right. The ones who pushed the like, for example, the Reagan. New Deal. If FDR, FDR, he went a lot left. Very, and and his and his really revered, like remembered fondly. Reagan, far right or like very right in policies. Yeah, yeah. was remembered fondly. Thatcher, no matter how shitty Thatcher has her, the right wing people remember her fondly. Mm. So, if you vote Republican, 
and right, you have to be right, right to win like, them over. Like Trump. But the Democrats still haven't gone to the point of going left. To the point. With a proper left to be remembered. Obama did a bit with Obamacare. And that's why people liked him. But he was more charisma. But the Democrats haven't had someone to go left, left in order. Like, even Democrats hate Joe Biden. I mean, like, to be honest. There's like, a schism, yeah. But it was more than anyone but, but Trump. Everyone but Trump. But that's terrible for Democrats when you're voting someone just because he's better than it's the worst. It's you're voting for the least worst. That's why the Democrats are looking for that left solution. Because trust me, if they get a leftist, the right wing will hate a lot. But the left... But they don't want to jump on that bandwagon, man. But the right wing have taken it. And they're, they're thriving politically. Because right. the thing is, I think what Democrats fail to know is that like, if right wing are going to go far right, like with... What's the name? And chances are that he could become next nominee, DeSantis. Yeah. Who's very far right. But his, tr- his Trump... With he's a diplomatic Trump. His Trump with uh, with a political mouth. Yeah, and and the thing is, if he runs and if he goes on his far right thing, um, and they're gonna put someone who's centrist to go up against him. The centrist is gonna get smashed. Smashed. But the thing is, you have to fight fire with fire. So you're gonna have to fight someone who's but as who, far left but as who him. Who in the Democrats have they been building up? Like we know, DeSantis might run and win. Why? Because the Republicans have been hyping him well. Yeah, he's... Yeah, like, he's, there's been a four-year build of him running. Like, look <clears> what he did during COVID. Tell me who from the Democratic side. They were, they were banking on, like, Cuomo. Turned out to be a dick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cuomo, they were building him up the New York versus the Florida guy, right? And then Cuomo... The harassment Yeah, shit. harassment stuff. Who from the left have they been building? AOC isn't ready, obviously. The thing is, an AOC flip-flops, man. Like, she... Like, for example, like, when there's, when a weapons... Like, and that's, Demo- that's the Democrats... Democrats' problem. Like, weapons are just like, you know what? It's not the right time to go against the bill. It's like... The Democrats are, like, they're too, like, what's the flavor for the day? And let's go on. Let's go on it. Look, like, we'll be with the black voters today. But then if the... And then, like, when Biden said, you're not black if you don't vote for me. Like, come on. You know, it's like, for example, and to bring this... Um, and I think a lot of people forget... When Trump won, Trump was a working class nominee. The working, the white working class people voted for Trump. A lot of black people who voted for Trump were poor black people as well. They weren't just like those. I'm you know royally, why? I'm not. I'm royally pissed. You know why? Because they were done with. Because they know that the Democrats have sold them out to the rich. Like I'll give you a good example as well. But Trump was a working class politician. And he said, he said, I'm rich, and I took advantage, and I'll teach you how to do the same. Not and just and that, the whole, I'm going to drain the swamp thing. If If you are a working class man, and I'm a salesman in a suit, speaking a bunch of jargon to sell your product, if I came, I'm like, hey, man, listen, I have this product. You should try it out, man. Yo, where are you from? And you make that small yeah, combo. Yeah, you know, yeah. And look, that's the problem with politics. So centrism has led to this. The Republicans have figured it out. The Democrats still haven't. Okay, so I have another question for you. Now, do you think there could be another centrism, rise of centrism in the next 20 years? Yeah. Or do you think it will now, this is it, we're now populist, where you're either right or left. No, no, we're not. I'll tell you why. Once again, we're in that bubble of everything is now and it's never been. We went extreme right and left 100 years of communism, Nazism, that stuff. Even Nazism was centrist, but they were still like, America went super isolationist capitalist, whereas Russia went full-on communism and everything was right and left. Um, it went socialist. It's called the Union of Soviet Socialist States. It did not achieve communism. Okay, socialist, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we went through that extreme right and left, and then we came back to the center, and now we're going back into the extreme right and left, and then we're going to go back into a center. It's just the 
cycle of our generations in politics. I think it's just a cycle. Yeah, so you think we'll eventually find another centrist a rise of centrism? Yeah. You're going to find that person in the middle who... Uh, Do you think it will become a full-fledged ideology or will it just be like a buzzword? Buzzword. Yeah. Um, and then people are going to get tired and then we're going to go... Like, I think when things calm down economically, we'll be back in the center. And then when things... Uh, shit hits the fan, we go back populist. Things go back down. We go this. Because there's a recession coming up this year, apparently, right? Yeah, and there's inflation all over saying, the world. They're saying this year. And I'm saying like in a year and a half, it will go away again or two years. So I think we're going to see extreme populists. And then when it goes away, we're going to have centrism again. And then back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Okay, and in the end, Nothing. what's your view on centrism? Politically, makes sense. You think so? You need to be in the middle? I think if I'm like... Like a Keynesian it, no, approach? It, it made sense to win the elections at the time. A politician's goal in the end is to win the election. No matter what. Like, let's talk, like, if I am a politician and I want to win, mm -hmm. and I've sold my soul to the system of politics and Big Bank and all that stuff. And, the Freemasons. And the Illuminati. And the, the Bohemian Grove. The, the Bohemian Grove, the Illuminati, the Masons, the Pizzagate crew, Epstein, <laughs> all those guys, right? Oh, and boy. Maxwell. Yeah, oh, I sold myself boy. to all those people. Oh, boy. I already proven I have no moral high moral of ground. Of course. No, but in all seriousness, no, but like... Um, I think it was clever at the time to go centrist to win elections. I mean, it's proven to win. Blair won the election. And Clinton won. Democrats finally won, and the Labour's finally won after years of losing. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense. Do I think it's healthy? No, because it leaves everyone confused. Mm -hmm. I do think a bit of balance is always healthy in life. You can't go extreme. But now, anything. for example, the outcome is you have those liberal centrists, politicians like Clinton and Warren and Pelosi when they took the knee. Um, yeah, that was that was cringe. But that's but that's centrist playing on an identity politics, right? Centrist, so, I get a centrist will flip flop depends on the trend. Exactly, for and sure, I agree with that. But that's not what centrism at its core should be. Centrism in America is an utter failure, and I hate it. But centrism, if done correctly, where they say private business will be regulated, but has the right to play within the free market, but we will regulate it, but we will make sure that. This and this and this is government controlled. Then, but then some people think it that you're already far too left for some no, people. No, but do you bro. see what I mean? Like, <laughs> listen, private businesses can have in, in in commodities that are not deemed necessities, which is luxury stuff, luxury, luxury items, items can yeah. be free market. But like, I, I'm fine with that. And then education, housing, housing, and uh, but even housing should have a bubble cap. You're calming. No, but uh, education, health should be. government monitored or controlled mm -hmm. that's centrism america that's not but we always think what america is doing is centrism no america is identity politics politics centrism it's whatever floats the boat at the moment that's their centrism the centrism isn't focused where someone came out as a centrist is like listen i, I believe in these two things i'm going to nationalize those quote-unquote social democracy yeah i'm going to do that which is what bernie sanders tries to say but his so he doesn't know how to articulate himself he's focused on Uh, 1% of the this challenges. Can you please make it? What do you mean? Can you please elaborate? He'll be like, I'm going to take money from this and put it this, right? But like, explain it, man. And Bernie Sanders explained it properly. People who knew what he was talking about knew it. But people, for the common man, they don't. Yeah, he really had a centrist view. Ultimately, I'm going to socialize and make this, this, and this. Yeah. And then everything else can be free market. Proper centralism. But he didn't know how to articulate that. So, But ultimately... I think what is proven is that most centrists and right and left 
we're all on Epstein's island. Because <laughs> we can, you can't talk about Clinton without talking about the Epstein. Okay, shit, let me man. just say my two cents before Amy gets yeah, yeah. into Epstein and before for we get the, to our the hidden episode. The hidden episode tra- track thirteen. <laughs> Guys, there's no hidden episode. Imagine they wait. <laughs> Imagine like <laughs> silently waiting. For and then the like the next episode plays, like I must have missed it. Yeah, Go episode. back and like it must be backmasked, <laughs> subliminally messaged, <laughs> exposing the. Epstein. I low key want to leave like. Like two extra minutes of empty silence just for just to have people wait. You know, you know my views on this aim, right? And I think they're clear as crystal. I've said it more than once. If you're on the center, I think you're. A p- thoughts Epstein didn't kill himself (laughs) okay Gina Grano yeah and no no (laughs) and left center or right they were all on they were were all on the (laughs) island Clinton uh, (laughs) Trump Trump, all on that island guys question mark what were they doing so whether or not guys if they were center or right or left they were all fucking corrupt and pedophiles Um, not pedophiles they were all on the island yeah let's not shoot up anymore problems no 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 but no but uh in all seriousness i think centrism is a natural order of extreme left or right and it's a way for people to rebalance it's not ideal but i think it's a normal thing people do i think in the end that's an opinion i have my opinion on centrism i don't think it works and i don't think it should work um you're not beyond ideology so guys this was our first episode of season two I hope you guys enjoy it. There's a lot more back and forth, a lot conspiratorial. Why was who is Al from and where is he now? That's one thing. Was he on Epstein? Was Al in the island, island, on the Epstein island? island. <laughs> was Al from from the Epstein Island? <laughs> the doggo needs to be yeah so, unleashed. So I'm gonna sign off, Cream, while you do the socials. All right, Go guys. Um, thank you for listening to tonight's episode. Uh, Happy New Year again. And we're looking forward to having another fruitful year with you guys in season two. Our socials, follow us on Instagram at the combo underscore BW, BTWE. Follow us on Twitter, same handle. TikTok, same handle. Facebook, a conversation before the world ends. I am thinking of starting a subreddit. Still, if something comes from that, I'll let you guys know. Uh, leave us a like, leave us a follow. Please give us a review. It does help us with algorithms. Unless if they're shitty ones, then we don't need it. Uh, no, no, we're all for constructive criticisms. So nothing too spiteful. Um, and I think that's all. So have a good night, guys, and we'll see you in two weeks. Peace. It's just one of I don't know who created
Pokemon Go. But I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls.